Wow, it's, it's so, it's so um, humbling to, to be here with all of you uh, this morning, watching us and here on the property. It's such an honor to be able to minister to you. And, and I take it as uh, a great challenge every week. Um, I take it as a great gifting every week, every day that God allows me to uh, bring forth a message, to bring forth the gospel of Jesus Christ to be a part of that great commission and making sure that God's message is communicated to all humanity. This morning, um, we are gonna continue into our sermon series that we paused from for Easter, which was last week. And the sermon series is Jesus Is. And what we have been doing is looking at the traits and the attributes of Jesus Christ. We, uh, we understand this, that many of us potentially have had an incorrect view or possibly even an interpretation that doesn't line up scripturally of who exactly Jesus Christ not only was, but who he is even now represented within our lives. Um, and with views like that, views that are inaccurate of who Jesus is, it can really bring about a challenge to us within our relationship and, and possibly confusion as to whether or not, you know, who is this man? Who is he? What was he about? What was his purpose? What were the true attributes? What were the true traits of him? You know, this week I was really um, getting involved with, this message and, and, and preparing it for you guys. And, and I want to read the theme verse that we have been looking at each and every week. And that theme verse comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. I want to go ahead and read that with you. And it says, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, that when I came to you, I did not come with an eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaim to you the testimony about God. Goes on to say, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you. And then he says something very interesting here, Paul does, and, and this is what he's wanting to do. He says, I know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, what I wanna do here before we get really into the depth of our message this morning, is share a few thoughts with you. Um, in fact, it was very challenging for me uh, throughout this week. In fact, for the last several weeks, I have been personally challenged, uh, even personally convicted, not only for myself, but for my community, for the, the, the communities that are surrounding where we currently are, for, for those of you who are, wherever you may be even watching online, and the thoughts that have come through my mind is, is simply this. What more, what more must God allow to happen in order for us to wake up to the fact that he is calling you and I into what would be a much deeper a much intimate, a more closer relationship with Jesus Christ. 
I have, I have felt such a longing and a burning with inside of me to communicate, and, and, and I'm going to do the best that I can to communicate this to you. If you're watching, if you're here, please pay attention. Because what I see and what I hear is not edifying who Jesus Christ is, but rather we have become more concerned with our social acceptance than with our eternal existence. For instance, we, even during these trying times and, 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 and times of uncertainty, are still allowing ourselves to be involved and to be entertained with the very things that I believe that God is allowing the season that we're in to bring an awakening to us, but the very things that are separating us or who have or what have been separating us from what God is wanting to open our eyes and say, listen, I am wanting to get to know you more personal. I am wanting that personal relationship, that intimacy with you. And I believe that even during this season that we are currently in, that God has allowed a separation to happen. But the problem is, is we're finding alternative measures to fill these voids rather than understanding that maybe God is giving us a direction and a clarity of saying we must turn away from the sin and turn to God. Can I help you out with something? We're talking about Jesus is. Jesus is coming back again. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23, and we looked at this last week, and the scripture reads, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. I was sitting and, and I, I began to contemplate a little bit about what does it mean to truly be a shepherd? We looked at that a, a few weeks ago. And we, we can take a look in the, in the book of Psalm, uh, verse 23, where it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, right? We see that, um, that, that passage of scripture, but we understand there's a very key part there where it says what? His rod and his staff is there to comfort us. It's there to lead us. We read that he leads us beside still waters. He takes us into to green pastures. And all of that is very uplifting. It's very encouraging. But there's also an area within the scripture where it talks about the rod and the staff comforting us. Let me help you out here that when the shepherd takes the rod and the staff, it's not only there for protection and leading, but it's also there for discipline. We need to allow God to move and to work within your homes, within your own personal life, with your circles of influence. We don't like the word discipline because with discipline comes pain. With discipline comes anguish. But let me help you out. With discipline, discipline comes growth. With discipline also comes value. With discipline comes accountability. So we understand that Jesus is coming back again. 
those scriptures talk about this subject quite frequently. In fact, of the 27 books of the New Testament, 23 actually um, speak of his return. We can look within scripture and we can see that there are many moments, there's many chapters that clearly talk, if anything else, about the return of Jesus Christ. We know this, that Jesus went to the cross. He went to the cross to pay the price for our sin once and for all. Our sin of the past, our sin of the present, as well as our sin of the future. That we know that he was buried and then three days later he came and he arose from a tomb. We know that approximately 45 days thereafter, he was still roaming the earth teaching and discipling and giving messages of encouragement before his final words. Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, read this way. After he said this, this meaning his final words or the mission and the vision that he wants you and I to complete. It says, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. When suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. These guys were angels who came down. And they said, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. In other words, what happened here, he left in a body, but that we understand that our Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, will also return in the body. We know through this passage of scripture that yes, Jesus is coming back again. All throughout scripture, chapters are written about this. In fact, books are written strictly about the return of Jesus Christ. So what I want to do for a few moments is go ahead and unpack some scriptures and look at three things that will happen at his return. First, Jesus will do this. He will come unexpectedly. We all want to know when he's coming back. Let's just face it. We have discussions. We have conversations within the church world. Especially now, this would be a great time for this to happen, for the return of Christ. Let me help you out. Matthew chapter 24, verse 3 reads this way. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and they said this. They said, tell us, they said, when, this re when will this happen? In other words, we all want to know. We all want to know. Wouldn't it be great if we could know when Christ would return? It says, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of age? Jesus' response to them, for the most part, was like, look, I can't tell you when I'm coming back because even I don't know when I'm coming back. Only God himself knows. But we do know this about Christ right now in the present, in, in the present state, is that the scripture tells us that he's sitting at the right hand of the throne or at the right hand of God, and he's intercessing over your life. He's praying. He's waiting on the word from God to even come back to this earth again. Jesus said, I can't tell you where or when I, or excuse me, when I'm coming, but only that I am coming back. 
Jesus did say, just like a woman who has birth pains in labor, there are signs that, is getting, that this would be getting ready to happen. We would see clear signs. Matthew chapter 24 is a chapter that speaks specifically about these signs. When you read these, you can come up with the assumption that many have been fulfilled. For instance, we could argue that every generation has thought that their generation would be the one that would see the coming of the Lord. We can argue that right now about our own present generation. We see what in Scripture, in Matthew chapter 24, some of the signs are rumors of wars, wars and rumors of them. We see signs such as increase of diseases. We're definitely in a season of that. Signs of earthquakes. Signs where the, the, the word of God would be preached to all nations. Do you know, do you, do you even understand that we are the first generation to actually see and be, a, and, and be a part of, through technology, a great widespread of the gospel of Jesus Christ? We're living in an age that could potentially bring about the return of Jesus and a generation. Matthew chapter 24, verses 40 through 42 reads, Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. It says that two women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day the Lord will come. We also see a passage of scripture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It says, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come. Watch this, like a thief in the night. What does that mean? In other words, you're not going to know exactly when, but you know that he will come. Secondly, we know this, that he will come to get his church. His return is simply to come and get us, the bride of Christ. That is the motivation behind it all. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, starting with verse 16, reads this way. For the Lord himself, in other words, Jesus himself is going to come down. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. In other words, what? Those who have gone before us will go first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them. Who is them? Potentially, that's your parents, your father, your mother. Potentially, your grandparents. Potentially, your, some close friends. Potentially, even your own child who's gone before you. And that should be not um, a, a very sad time. But that should be an extremely comforting passage of Scripture for us. Because then it says, after that, we who are still alive, what? Will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. In other words, amen. Jesus's motivation is to return, to come and to be with us. You know what I love about it? The Bible says that he's going to establish a new heaven and a new earth. In other words, he's establishing the pre-fall condition 
of what this earth was intended for. There'll be no more crying. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more death. There will be no more anxieties. <laughs> Watch this. There'll be no need for a stimulus check, right? There'll be no more hospitals. There'll need, be no need for any, any more counselors. Have you grasped what this would look like? And are you longing for the return of Christ? Matthew chapter 25 Verse 34 reads, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom, prepared for you since the creation of this world. Jesus is coming back to get his church, to set up life how it was originally intended to be. Now we also know this. He will come to judge the earth. Let's face it, none of us want to be judged. We read in Revelations chapter 20, verse 11. It says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, with what books were, and books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in this book. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. What do we know? That God is just. That justice is coming to all humanity. It will be heard. Second Thessalonians reads this way in chapter 1, verse 6. God is just and that he will pay back trouble to those who have troubled you. Listen, don't repay. That's not for you to do. God says that what? He is going to take care of that. And give relief to you who are troubled and to, you, and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his, with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know. Watch this. Can I, can I help you out? We talked about that last week. In, in the original language, that is called gnosko. That is a closeness or an intimacy with God. We are being charged to have a closeness and to intimacy with God. It's not enough just to call on his name. But scripture clearly shows us that we are to know him with a closeness and the intimacy. But it goes on to say, God, and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power on the day he comes. Now to some of you, that may actually sound harsh. But let me help you and enlighten you here for a moment. God is patient. He's far more patient than we are. I'm thankful for that because he continues to allow more time for you and I, for all humanity to have the opportunity to get to know this Jesus Christ. Now, 
there is also justice coming for all, as even Christ's followers. Our sins will never be mentioned, the Bible tells us. In fact, it says in the book of Psalms that our sins will be cast as far as the east is from the west. In other words, it's not being within remembrance. That we will stand before the Lord on a second type of judgment. And we will, once we go to heaven and receive the rewards that will be given to us, we will be rewarded at that judgment seat of Christ. In fact, um, if you have ever rejected the Lord, here's what the Bible actually tells us in Isaiah chapter 55. It says, seek the Lord while he may be found. I, I can't express that enough. That we are to seek God right now. We have a great opportunity to seek after the face of Jesus Christ. That in everything that we're doing, and I know I'm, I'm speaking to a lot of Christ followers that are here and that are watching, but I'm also speaking to a lot of people who may not be a Christ follower. And I, I'm saying this because, listen, Jesus Christ is coming back again. I'm saying this because we very well could be the generation that sees his return. I'm talking about this and I'm passionate about this today because I have a longing for people to come into relationship with Jesus. It's not enough just to acknowledge him, but the Bible says that we are to get to know him, a closeness and an intimacy that we must turn away from our sin. That not only do we ask God to forgive us, to Jesus to forgive us of our sin, to wash us and to cleanse us, but Lord, we repent, turning away from, not following back into the old self, not falling back that we are sinners who have been what? Saved by grace. That God has begun, he has called us to be something and that is holy. What does holy mean? Simply this, changed, to be different. We need to be different. We don't need to find alternative ways because our environments of our sinful nature have changed because of social distancing. We should take this time and say, God is getting our attention right now. And say, I need to turn away from these old ways and I need to turn to God. I need to turn to Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is there to what bring us in an empowerment to lead us and to guide us within our walk. It says, let the wicked forsake their ways and the righteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will what? Have mercy on them and turn to our God for he will freely pardon. Why do we do this? Because he is our coming king. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 says, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I will give you this charge. In other words, since judgment is coming, I'm coming back, and here's some things that you need to do. Number one, we're called to reach people. This is our primary assignment. This is why I'm standing here. This is why I'm so passionate. Because I, I recognize that God has placed a calling. You know, a pastor, we bring encouraging words. At least I hope so. 
But I also hope that we're bringing challenging messages as well. Messages that cause us to go into a deep thought in an inventory and say, am I living the life that God has designed for me? Is my actions, my speech, my thought life, is it aligning up with the will of God? Or have I become lazy about this? Or do I, I continually think, well, I have more time for change. The Bible says that he could come as a thief in the night, that no man knows the day nor the hour, not only of his coming, but also we were not promised tomorrow. We are called to reach people. This is our primary assignment, to be committed to this very charge. Jude chapter one, verses 22 through 23 read, be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. I'm challenging you, stay focused. As a Christ follower, stay focused on reaching people. Don't give up. Why? Because they did not give up on you. Secondly, stay focused on eternity. Let's be honest, from time to time, if you're like me, you just think this world kind of stinks. You're disappointed. You're, you've been let down. And what we actually have done is we have placed our hope on the things of this world. And if we do that, then we know, according to Scripture, we will be let down. Titus chapter 2, verse 13 reads, While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. This scripture right here in Titus is a clear indication, is a clear definition of who our hope is. And our hope is in Jesus Christ. Our, listen, our hope is not in our government. Let's be honest. Our hope, our, our hope is not even in our friendships. Our hope is not even in our family. Our hope can only be found in Jesus Christ. He is the exact definition of what hope is. Paul, Paul says it this way. Here's what we need to do. So we need to fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. In other words, your, your health, um, broken relationships, marriages, messed up finances, your work environments, your, your, your psychological disposition, your, the, the sin that you've allowed to be within your life, all of this is temporary. But what is unseen is internal. I also love the way Paul represents it. He says, look, your mere existence on this earth is it's just a vapor compared to what eternity is. So we're called to reach people we're called to focus on eternity. And then lastly and finally, we're called to be ready. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 through 12 read, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, 
what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and spread its coming. Let me help you out. Let me challenge you. Are you living that life? Are you living a holy? Are you living a a blameless life? Are you living a life that is, is truly dedicated to Jesus Christ? And what? Reaching people. Is it one that, that you're, 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 you're passionate about sharing the gospel of Jesus through the way that you live, the things that you're allowing yourself to be a part of, the environments that you allow yourself to be in? Or are we just finding alternative motives right now to fill those voids? The only void that is true, that can be filled, is through Jesus Christ. He's the only one. He's the only one that can bring true satisfaction. He's the only one that can bring peace into your home. He's the only one that truly gives an understanding that goes beyond our mind and what we can comprehend. He's the one who offers a love that is unconditional. And we know that he's coming back. He's coming back for his church. The Bible says without spot or wrinkle and blemish. The challenge that we have today, number one is this, and that is if you don't know who this Jesus Christ is, that today would be the day of salvation. That hopefully your eyes have been opened up to how maybe your lifestyle has been and that it has not been pleasing to God. And listen, let me help you out. That even goes with the Christ follower right now. Have we become lazy? Are we allowing this gray area within sin to exist? My challenge to you today is if you don't know who Jesus Christ is, I invite you I invite you to be in relationship with him, to make such a commitment this morning. And if that is you, wherever you may be, I'm gonna ask you just to, everybody just to bow your heads and to close your eyes in your living room right now or sitting here in your car. I just want you to have a moment where you're reflecting upon your life kind of doing a self-inventory. But if you could say, you know, I don't know who this Jesus Christ is. I've not made the commitment. I have a head knowledge, but not a heart condition with him. I challenge you today to make that choice, to make that decision. So I'm going to invite everyone to pray this prayer with me this morning. Lord Jesus, today, I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Not only, Lord, do I ask for forgiveness of my sins, but I also repent before you. Help me to turn away from the ways of my old life and let me hold on and grasp on to the bright future to the excellent purpose and to the perfect will 
that you have for my life. From this day forward, I will live for you and you alone. In Jesus' name I pray. And the church says, amen. Amen. Now, with that, we know that Jesus Christ is coming again. And with that, we understand that even as a Christ follower, every day I need Jesus to work in my life. I need him to work from the inside out. I need him to change me here so that outwardly he is being lifted up. So that outwardly he is being worshipped. That the name of Jesus is being proclaimed in every area of my life. So I'm going to challenge you right now, right where you're at, in your home, in your vehicles, wherever it may be. We're going to pray a prayer with you. I want to pray a prayer with you. So let's pray. Father, just honored to be here this morning and to be able to be a, a part of this great ministry that's happening across this globe. And that is about preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Father, we understand, Lord Jesus, that you are coming back again for your church. And Lord, my prayer today, that as followers of you, that you would continue that work in their inward most being, in our spirits, in our soul, in our minds, in our hearts, so that our outward emotions, our outward expressions line up with what you have purposed, planned, and willed for our lives. God, bring the change that is necessary. Prune us, Father. Cut away the things that no longer need to be in our lives. If you must, Lord, break us and mold us back to who you have designed us to be, God. Father, may we every day allow your word to be the encouragement that we need, but also to be the discipline that it must be. God, I love you. I thank you for every person who's watching, every person who's here, every person, God, that's a part of this service. Touch every life. Encourage them, Father. And may they feel your presence. And we thank you, God. We thank you for what you're doing. Lord, we thank you that the gospel of Jesus Christ is being brought all across this world in such a way, God, that it has never been done before. And Lord, that you are opening doors. You are opening opportunity. God, that you are pouring out your spirit upon all flesh. And Father, we thank you and we glorify you. In Jesus' name. And the church says, amen. Amen. We, lo we love you guys. Thank you for watching online. Thank you for being here. Just follow the directions of our attendance. Have a great afternoon.